following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, or ARTS as we affectionately call it, and I'm glad to have you, and I'm your host Pepsi Mama, and I'm glad to have you here with me, and my geek and good friend Victor Gouveia is Somewhere back there in the background doing all the tech stuff that needs to be done. And so we're hoping that you'll enjoy the show. And I'd like to invite you to um, like us on Facebook at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And... Um, subscribe to us on YouTube at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Or you can follow us on Twitter at Blind Whose. However you do it, we'd be happy to have you. If you don't like either one of those, or even if you do, you can catch us on whatever podcast platform you like, whether it be Apple, QCast, um, uh, there's a trillion others out there. You can do it on Alexa as well, too. Just tell her to, uh, play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway podcast and she'll just play them until you tell her to stop. And if she gets to one, if she starts to play one, she plays the newest on down. So, uh, say if you're listening to, um, one and it comes up one that you're not really wanting to hear at that particular time then you just tell her next and she'll go to the next one uh if you tell her previous then she'll go to the um one before the one that you picked so um anyway just kind of wanted you to know that uh there's there's going to come a time when you'll be able to just subscribe to whatever podcast on the Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway channel that you want to, but he hasn't gotten that down quite yet. He thought he would have it by March 1st, but it didn't happen that way because uh, he couldn't get some things worked out, but he's on a road and he'll get it. He's on a road, that's for sure. But, um, anyway, uh, if you want to contact me by email, uh, you can contact me at Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E, like an ice cream cone, or like an ice cream sundae, excuse me, um, at gmail.com. So it's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday at gmail.com 
and let's see if you want to email Victor or the channel you can email whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com this week what I'm doing is shows that have the word crime in their title um, I was going to do uh, episodes and show titles with the word crime but then I got too many and it made my uh, it would have made my podcast way too long so um, the first one that I'm going to do for you is called Casey Crime Photographer now I'm kind of lukewarm with this one it, you know it, it, it's a good one uh, a lot of people like it uh, and with me it's, it's okay it's not one of my favorite ones but hey uh, a lot of you like it, and I like it well enough to listen to, so uh, we've got it here for you. It's called Cupid is a Killer. So kick back, get your soda or your coffee or your gin and tonic, whatever it is that uh, you like to drink, and... Um, We'll be back in a few minutes. The way that gives that natural look is T-O-N-I. Tony. Tony. Tony Home Permanent, the wave that gives that natural look, brings you Crime Photographer. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. This is Bill Cullen greeting you for Tony Home Permanent and inviting you to listen to another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Cupid is a Killer. Early evening in the Blue Note Cafe. Casey and Ann Williams are perched on two tall stools when... Cancel, Bert. Your phone's ringing. Answer it. It might be important. I'm coming. Just bring it up some lemon. Well, hurry up. Come I'm on. coming. I'm coming. Hello? Blue Cafe, Ethelbert speaking. Yeah, he's here. What? For you, Casey, your city Uh-oh. desk. Oh, there he is. Hello, Bert. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Williams is here with me right now. Okay, Bert. Right? We'll be right over. Yes, so long. Now what, Casey? An assignment for you? A murder, maybe? All right, you are, Ethelbert. Come on, Annie. Yeah, but who, uh, where... We'll give you the details when we get back. Yeah. So long, pal. Have you been wondering how you can afford a new permanent just when you want some new clothes for summer? Well, Tony Home Permanent is your answer. A Tony costs only $1, and yet there's no lovelier, longer-lasting wave at any price. For Tony gives you this twin guarantee. Your Tony wave is guaranteed to last just as long as the most expensive wave you've ever had. And your Tony is guaranteed to look more natural or your money back. So get a Tony Home Permanent for only $1, with plastic curlers $2. And save money for new summer clothes by giving yourself the loveliest wave you've ever had 
with Tony Home Permanent, the wave that gives that natural look. T-O-N-I, Tony. man was shot by someone who was outside, Logan. A bullet came through that window. That's right, Casey. The killer was across the street in a parked automobile. He used a high-powered rifle. Rifle? Yeah. He found the slug that went through this guy's skull, uh, 30-30. Hmm. I remember two other killings that fit this pattern, Logan. Guy shot in the head from a car with a 30-30 rifle? Yep. I'm thinking of the same two previous killings, Casey. You think of Bat McCoy did the shooting? Sure. Bat McCoy? This is his very successful method of knocking off guys who get in his way, Miss Williams. Of course, I'll have him picked up for questioning, but he'll have a twenty-two carat alibi ready as usual, and we won't even be able to hold him. You identified the dead guy, Logan? Yeah. He's a young fellow, Benny Thrush. He played piano over at Bat McCoy's Purple Slipper Cafe. Why would a big shot like Bat McCoy want to bump off a piano player? I'll tell you. You two know a gal named Valerie Hooper. She used to be a cashier at Schmidt's restaurant. Yeah, we know her. Yeah, we often meet at Schmidt's. Pretty kid, isn't she? Yeah, redhead. Nice, too. What happened to her? We haven't seen her before. Two months ago, she got married to Benny Thrush. What, this guy? Who's Justin killed? Uh-huh. According to what I've heard from my private sources, McCoy fell for Valerie hard. She's not the two-timing sort, so McCoy didn't get anywhere. Now, it's my idea, Casey, that he killed Mr. Benny Thrush in order to have a clear field with Mrs. Benny Thrush. Yeah, Pat McCoy would do a thing like that. And I'll give you a ten to one, Casey, that McCoy will throw a top-grade funeral for his ex-piano player and will officiate as chief mourner, all to make a hit with Mrs. Benny. Oh, nuts that we cops can't do a single thing. Not a pretty picture, Logan. But, um, fancy gangster funerals make good newspaper copy, Casey. All right. Annie, you and I are going to attend that funeral. <laughs> Quite a crowd outside the undertaker. Yeah, funerals of murder victims always pull an overflow audience. Let's go. We'll see the murderer inside, Casey. He'll be comforting the widow. Yeah. Coy had a perfect alibi, just as Logan figured. Cops couldn't do a thing with him. Do you suppose that Valerie Mrs. Brush knows that McCoy... No, I doubt it. Of course, the cops haven't tipped her. With their hand by letting her know what they suspect. Mm. You know. Hey, look at that. Hmm? Logan flattered some of his undercover guys here. Detective? Yeah, the big fellow in the gray suit. He's one. I've never seen him before. Well, he's new on the Homicide Squad. He's a nice guy, too. Also young and uh, very good-looking. Name's Throckmorton. Throckmorton? Yeah. Clarence oh, no, Throckmorton. Oh, can't be a cop named Clarence Throckmorton. Well, that's how the other cops feel about it. They call him Kansas. That's where he comes from. Wait, I'll introduce you. Hey, Kansas. Huh? Oh, hello, Casey. Glad to see you. And let me present Detective Throckmorton. Kansas? Miss Williams, she reports at Express. Pleased to know you, Miss Williams. And to know you. Logan's detailed you here to watch Bat McCoy, I suppose. Yeah, the captain figures we just might hear or see something that will help us to get that skunk. I doubt if you will. Yes, so do I. You know, the widow that murdered fellow is one of the prettiest little women I ever seen. She looks so nice. <laughs> Casey and I think she's very nice, Mrs. Rockmorton. Hey, you talk like you know her. Yeah, we know her before she got married. You did? Yeah. She inside now? No, we're going to show up here in a minute or two. Film possession's due to start pretty soon. Yeah, I want to take some pictures before it starts. Annie, let's get inside. Okay. See you later, Kansas. Yeah, sure. I'll be around. Hey, see, the chapel's crowded. It's crowded with rats. Most of the mourners are gorillas that work for McCoy. Hey, you with that camera. You talking to me? Yeah. Get out. We ain't have no pictures taken. I'm from the Morning Express. I don't care where you're from. I said you. Hello, Bat. 
Casey. Bat, will you tell this muscle man of yours that I'd like a couple of shots of the coffin and flowers? Yeah, it's okay, Steve. All right. Everybody clear away from the coffin. This fellow's going to take a picture that'll be in the papers. Yeah, thanks, Bat. What do you say to this send-off I'm giving poor little Benny Thrush? Huh? That bronze coffin alone set me back five grand. Yeah, looks like it cost that much. You get a load of that full-size piano, all made out of expensive flowers. Yeah. It's my going-away present to poor little Benny. Who do you suppose made poor little Benny go way back? I wish I knew, Casey. Say, get that flower piano in your picture. Benny's widowed like it. I'll get it at That's it. Say, isn't that Benny's widow coming in? Yeah, I gotta go to the poor kid. She needs me to lean on. Uh, come on, Annie. Let's you and me get to the widow, too. She was terribly broken up, Casey. How are you feeling today, Valerie? I'm all right, Mr. McCoy. Hello, Valerie. Hmm? Remember us? Oh, Miss Williams and Casey. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to see you. Kid. Hey, what? Kid, we want to extend our sincere sympathy. If we can do anything for you, you just let us know. Oh, thank you both. If Mrs. Thrush needs anything, she'll call on me. When did you people get to know each other? Quite a while ago, Bat. Hey, Valerie, the paper's running a spread on your husband's funeral. You mind if I shoot a picture of you? All right, Casey. Take your picture. Uh, thank you, Kid. But just stand as you are. That's right. Hold it. Got it. Thank you. Hey, boss. Yeah? Uh, the undertaker just told me the preacher's here. You want to say a few words before the church guard begins? Of course I'm going to say some words about my pal, Benny. I ain't going to let this little lady's husband be stuck into the ground without I tell the world how much I thought of him. Come with me, Valerie. Boy, I need a rats and rats. But Bat McCoy is the worst. I think the same thing you are, Casey. Isn't there some way to make that loud paper what he's done and wants to do? Mind if I stand here with you? Huh? Oh. That has a kiss. That McCoy's about to deliver a eulogy, Mr. Frostmore. Yeah, he came inside here to listen. Ain't she the prettiest little woman? Who? Well, the widow, Mrs. Benny Thrush. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right down, everybody. That McCoy's going to say a few words. Yeah, this we got to hear. Yeah, tell that guy at the organ we had enough out of him. <clears throat> Folks, with tears in my eyes, I stand before you to speak a last goodbye to my pal. Yes, sir. Prettiest little woman I ever seen. Benny Thrush was like a brother. To his widow and to all of you, I ain't ashamed to say, I love this guy. Lays here now for Stephen Cole. She's a nice woman, too. Friends, my pal Benny was a sweet character. Folks who don't know me say I'm hard-boiled and tough. But you see a guy before you. Fat McCoy talked over that coffin for almost an hour about how much he thought of the late Benny Thrush, huh, Casey? That's right, Ethelbert. <laughs> and was it hard to take? Mm, I can sure imagine, Miss Williams. It's a dirty shame the cops can't do anything. Three killings. I guess to make a case, the cops would have to find the gun practically right in his murdering hands, wouldn't he? Yeah. Man, ain't much chance of him doing that. But one chance in a million, I guess. Elbert, tell the waiter to bring me some coffee, will you? Okay, Miss Williams? Uh, yeah, please. Will you have that coffee on me? What? Kansas, Mr. Rothmore. Hello, Miss Williams. Uh, Casey, the folks at your office told me I'd probably find you here at this Blue Note Cafe. You were looking for me, Kansas? Uh, yeah. Say, Ethelbert, shake hands with Detective Throckmorton. Detective Throckmorton? 
is the first time I ever met a cop by the name of Throckmorton. It's kind of funny. This is the first time I ever met a bartender by the name of Ethel Burt. <laughs> hey, what's funny about that? <sighs> yes, say, Casey, that was a mighty fine picture you took at the funeral yesterday. I saw it this morning in the paper. Yeah, it shot of the coffin on McCoy's floral piano. It didn't turn out pretty good. Then. Cop. Oh, that picture. Yeah. Well, which picture are you talking about? Oh, well, I, uh... Miss Williams, I know this ain't very polite, but do you mind if I take Casey out the side door there for a minute? It's a rather private police business. No, go ahead. I don't mind at all. Oh, thank you, ma'am. If you don't mind... No, I'm right with you, can't you? Ah, what'll hear us out here now? What's it all about? Oh, I, uh... Casey, I'm going to ask you a big favor. Yeah? That that fine picture of Benny Thrush's widow is in the paper. Oh, that was the picture that you... Yeah, wrote. that was... Well, now, will you make me a print of it, Casey? Like uh, that goes into frame. Well, sure I will. Yeah, but why do you cops want it? Well, it's, uh, us cops don't want it. Only me. Or you? Yeah, this is a personal, Casey. Oh. Guess I'm a little slow. You like the widow's looks, huh? I ain't going to lie to you. She's the prettiest little woman I ever did see. Now, wait a minute. Uh, have you gotten acquainted with her yet? No, no. But I, I was just thinking that if it ain't asking you too much, will you introduce me someday all formal and proper like... Hey, look, Kansas. Hasn't anybody told you that Bat McCoy suspected of bumping off Valerie's husband so he could make a wedding march play for the widow? Well, all of us cops suspect that. And you want to try to cut in on that killer? Casey, when I get a fear to skunks, I'll resign from the police department. Well, that's the way you feel. I'll get you acquainted with Mrs. Thrush tomorrow. Uh, Casey, I won't ever be able to pay you for this big favor. You've already paid me, Kansas. Yes, you give me an idea. Oh, look, our coffee's getting cold, Kansas. Guess we better get back inside. Yeah. Okay. Hey, it's Bill Cullen talking to Miss Williams. Hey, come on over. I'll introduce you. All right. Well, back again? Ah, hello, Bill. Bill, I want you to meet the new detective on the police force, Clarence Brockmorton. Uh, Clarence Brockmorton? <laughs> Don't say it. Just call me Kansas, Bill. <laughs> Fair enough, Kansas. You can call Bill Curley. Oh, now, Ann, what have I done to deserve that nickname? You see, Kansas, we always tease Bill about having an eye for, uh, curly-headed women. Oh, me too, Mr. Cullen. Nothing I admire like real naturally curly hair. That may be real natural curly blonde hair. You better watch out, Ethelbert. You can be fooled, you know. Today you just can't tell which is the girl with the natural curl and which is the girl with the Tony. Many a girl with a Tony has been asked if she had naturally curly hair. That's because gentle Tony waves actually look and feel like naturally curly hair. Those lovely deep waves comb into place so easily the soft ringlet ends curl around your finger. There's no harshness, no frizzy stage to live through when you have a Tony. Because even on the very first day, a Tony wave looks soft and lustrous and natural. You can give yourself a Tony tomorrow. And tomorrow night, have hair so lovely, people will think you were born with a natural wave. Just remember, only Tony gives you this twin guarantee. Your Tony wave is guaranteed to last just as long as the most expensive wave you've ever had. And your Tony is guaranteed to look more natural or your money back. So it's no wonder more than two million women each month choose Tony Home Permanent. More than two million? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of women. Yes, each month another two million women have lovely, long-lasting Tony Way. How about you?
AC, I don't like your idea at all. But it's beginning to work, Logan. Sooner than I expected, too. It's just a couple of months since I introduced Kansas to Valerie Thrush, but the guy is so honestly crazy about it that I think she's already gotten her way about him. And what's more important, that McCoy has found out about it. Boy, is he burning. I know McCoy's sore. And then I have Tillingham report that he followed Kansas home last night and took a very thoughtful gander at the windows of the house. Well, that's swell. Getting ready to pull something. Yeah. He follows his standard grudge murder pattern. He's getting ready to pull that 30-30 out of his hiding place. Which is exactly what we want. We want to find that rifle in McCoy's hands, Casey, and we want to find him attempting another murder with it, but we don't want him to commit that murder. Look, I've got that all figured out, Logan, and i got the answers. Yeah. Now, look. We're almost certain now that McCoy is planning to rub out Kansas. And it's a thousand to one that he'll make the try in his usual way. His usual successful yes, way. Yes, but this time, we pick the time and the place. Well, if we can do it. We can. The time will be tomorrow night in a place. This is Thrush's apartment. This is Thrush's apartment. He lives on the first floor with nice big windows facing the street, Logan. Now, McCoy, watching from a parked car across the street, is going to see something in that apartment. It'll make him use that 30-30. You're going to arrange for the killer to be there and see things. Uh-huh. And you'll be hiding close enough to nab him with the goods. And giving me the complete details? I'll be very glad to, pal. And even a dumb cop like yourself will see what a sense this is going to be. Uh, tell the dumb cop more. Okay, now listen. Kansas knows he's in danger from that. But he doesn't know that we've deliberately planned to set him up as a decoy. Excuse me, you've deliberately planned. All right, okay, I've deliberately planned. We'll come clean with Kansas tomorrow morning and give him the whole thing. You mean you'll come clean with him? All right, I'll come clean. Now, look, Valerie so far doesn't know a thing. She doesn't even suspect that McCoy gave her husband the works. But we need plenty of cooperation from her now, Logan. So we... I mean, I... I am going to her apartment this evening, give her the complete picture... And tell her what she has to do to help us. Before you continue, you're sure she will help us? Well, of course she will. Sure. She'll even thank me for the chance to do it. Well, Valerie, that's the whole story, full and complete. It's been a pretty horrible story, Mr. Casey. I simply can't believe that you and the police have suspected all along that... That that McCoy killed my husband because because of me. Yeah, kid. And now I've told you how that you can help us to make him pay for what he did. You've told me a lot of things, but but some of them you tried to cover up. Huh? Kansas, Mister Clarence Throckmorton. You brought him here. He was nice to me. He, he made me like him, trust him. Not because he liked me, but but because you and he wanted the glory of solving a crime. Glory? Hey, Valerie. No, I that... don't want to hear another word from you. All right, Mr. Casey. Yeah. I'll help the law catch the killer of my husband. When that McCoy phones me this evening, as he always does, I'll make a date with him for tomorrow night. Then, later, I'll break it and let him know that Mr. Throckmorton will be here in his place. I'll do everything you've asked me to. But I never want to see you again, Mr. Casey. Me? Well, Valerie, Get out of this house. But, Valerie... Get out! And tell Mr. Clarence Throckmorton that I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> So, Mrs. Benny Thrush didn't thank you for the chance to help us, Casey. Uh, she practically threw me out of her apartment, Logan. Yeah, but she did promise to do what I asked her. Though. Her help won't do any good unless you get full cooperation from Kansas. And he isn't going to feel too friendly when he hears how you wrecked his romance. Well, let me worry about that. Okay. Maybe you better worry a little about selling him on the job he's got to do tomorrow night. That won't be any trouble at all. We'll see in just an hour from now when he reports here at my office. <laughs> Thank you.
Captain Logan. I won't have no part of this scheme of Casey's. Valerie might get hurt. Well, she'll be 100% safe, Kansas. That's what you say. In short, Kansas, this scheme is foolproof. It don't sound that way oh, to me. Logan, will you convince this chump? Me, Casey? Now, look here. It's time to stop kidding and needling each other. We're out to get a three-time killer, aren't we? Yes, we are. And I think your scheme is sound. Detective Throckmorton. Yes, Captain? Now, this is an order. You'll do exactly as Casey has requested. I won't do it, sir. You won't? No, sir. You know what that means? Yes, sir. Here's my gun. Here's my shield. Well, now, look here, man. When you joined the force, you assumed a duty. You can't just... I never assumed no duty of putting a woman in bad danger, and I am quitting. No longer a cop. You're going to Valerie's apartment to persuade her right yeah, now? Yeah, right now. Oh, I've seen enough of women to know that you might persuade her, and I'm not giving you the chance. Oh. Casey! I feel like a skunk for hitting him, Logan. It's the only way to save our plan, oh, though. Chump! This K.O. you handed him won't last more than a minute or two. That's long enough to put him in charge of your police sergeant. Police? Yes, yeah, sure. Under medical observation for the next several hours. Casey, what do you... Look, have the, the doc strap into a bed, will you, in your emergency hospital here at headquarters. And keep him there until after we do our stuff tonight. I can't pull a pony like that. If you don't, we lose our chance to get McCoy, Logan. Everything's set. You can't let Kansas spoil it. Kansas is the guy McCoy wants to kill. Kansas and I are the same size. We've got the same color hair. If I put on his clothes and McCoy sees only but my back... You? Sure, sure. From across the street, he'll be certain that I'm Kansas. Uh, okay, Casey. I'll right. get the doc and give him his orders. That is, Kansas going to be sore at you? Yeah, he'll be sore at me. Valerie is sore at me. I... Uh-oh. There's thought of more trouble. Uh, the gimmick of our scheme is that McCoy's going to see Kansas and Valerie pull a hot Hollywood kiss. You don't think she'll do it with you? No, well, what I'm worried about is that Ann Williams will be with you tonight, Logan. So what? Well, she's on an out-of-town assignment right now. I can't get hold of her to explain my substituting for Kansas and... If... If things aren't explained before she finds out that I'm the guy that she'll be seeing making woo-woo with Valerie, well, uh, he's going to get the wrong idea. Hey, that is possible. Well, it's a certainty. Think no more about it, T.C. When she meets me tonight, I'll explain everything. Logan, I depend on that. Of course. I don't always trust you in personal matters. Well, no, if that isn't a fine thing to say to a pal. <laughs> Are you sure Bat McCoy is in that sedan, Captain Logan? Positive, Miss Williams. McCoy's in the back seat. Watching those windows across the street as we are. Now, you and Bat are watching those windows. I'm keeping my eyes mostly on that sedan, watching for the end of a rifle barrel to make its appearance. Now you'll have to move awfully fast if and when it does. If McCoy has a chance to fire at Kansas... My man head... and I are prepared to move fast, Miss Williams. Well, of course, McCoy can't do anything until Kansas shows himself behind one of those windows again. What time have you got? Why, it's just, uh, uh, one minute to nine. He'll show himself in one minute, then. This was Casey's scheme. He must know the time you and Kansas set. Sure, Casey knows. Well, then why isn't he here? As I've told you. He said he'd join us in time to get pictures. Well, where do you suppose he is? Yeah, no idea. Yeah. Only 30 seconds, huh? Mm. Watch that window on the right, Miss Williams. Yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> Kansas and Valerie have been out of sight all this time. You think they've been uh, mixing romance with the business, Captain? Could be. You know how it is when a guy and a gal get together. And Valerie's a beautiful gal. Any man could fall for a gal like Valerie. Those redheads are dynamite. So I've heard. Captain, I see Valerie behind that window now. And Kansas with his back toward us. Watch that car, man. Oh, what they're doing behind that window. 
Is that five-star embrace part of the script? Yeah, but that guy is really putting personality into it. Well, I'll say. And apparently, he's done a lot of rehearsing. Sure looks that way, Miss Williams. They're breaking it up now. It's all to be it, man. McCoy wouldn't hurt the girl, but now he can line his sights on the guy. Look. It is it. Fire that right. Get him in. Why did you wait so long? Why'd you give him the chance to shoot? He killed Kansas. We got the rat, Captain. Our gun's killing his mate. the driver of his car, too. You got it, Captain. Frame You framed yourself, McCoy, and right into the hot seat. Why did you let him shoot, Captain? Why'd you let him he kill Kansas? He hasn't killed anyone tonight, Miss Williams. But I saw all him. All you saw and all McCoy saw was the reflection of a man and woman in a specially placed mirror. Mirror? <laughs> when Valerie and her uh, boyfriend seemed to be directly behind that window, they were really in another part of the room where a bullet from out here couldn't possibly hit them. Oh. Hey, Logan, you're standing in front of McCoy. Move away. I want to expect you. Oh, Casey. Yeah, hello, Annie. Uh, there's one shot, and I'll take another one. Well, Casey, that gray suit you have on. Oh, uh, yeah, Kansas's clothes fit me okay, don't they, Annie? Kansas's clothes? Now, hold it for another picture, will you, boys? That does it. You were the man we've been watching in that apartment. I guess, sure. Oh, you, you double-crosser. Uh, Logan, didn't you explain? Oh, I'm such a dumb cop, Casey. I forgot. No, you double-crosser. Good night. Annie, Annie, where are you going? I have a story to phone to the paper, Mr. Casey. Have a wait for me, will you? I'm not going your way. Ever again. Annie, you got to live. Good night, pal. Thank you for this, Logan. Just you wait. Annie! For soft water shampooing, use Tony Cream Shampoo. Even in the hardest water, Tony Cream Shampoo. Yes, even in the hardest water, Tony Cream Shampoo gives soft water shampooing that rinses away dandruff instantly, leaves hair so soft, so smooth, so shining clean. Today, bring out the sparkling beauty of your hair with Tony Cream Shampoo. Get the handy tube or jar. Tony Cream Shampoo. It's for you. Miss Williams ain't even speaking to you, huh, Casey? No. I guess she's off me for life, Ethelbert. That was certainly a dirty trick that Logan played. Well, I can't blame him, really. I've stuck the needle into him so many times. That's so. Well, you don't have to agree with me. And you're also in wrong with Mrs. Valerie Thrush and Detective Throckmorton. Yeah, plenty. They tell me that Throckmorton is the best two-fisted fighter in the department. Uh, they say he spends a couple of hours every day in the gymnasium. And you do most of your training leaning on this bar, Casey. Uh, Still in all, it ought to be a fight worth watching. Will you shut up? Why, Casey? Uh-oh. Well, here's Detective Throckmorton now. A uh, Kansas... Yeah, Miss Williams and Mrs. Valerie Thrush are with him. Wait, are they all together? And all looking very mean. Oh, yeah, I see. Hello, Casey. Uh, hello, Kansas. Hello, Casey. Uh, glad to see you, Annie. Hello, Mr. Casey. Hi. Uh, good evening, Doc. Mrs. Thrush. We've been looking for you. Yes. 
And now we've found you. Now, look here. You socked me after trying to turn Valerie against Now, listen, Kansas. You listen to us. You really hit Kansas and had him locked up so you could take his place. Annie, I You've double-crossed all of us, Casey. I'm not going to take any more of it. You're taking plenty more. Shall I give it to you here? Will you step outside? Come on outside, Kansas. I tried to give the three of you honest explanations. You haven't even listened to me. Come on outside. Oh, Casey, let me give it to you here. Huh? Let him, Casey. Yes. Valerie and I want to watch. <laughs> so do I, Casey. What, what, what is it? Here, pal. I'm giving you first look at the engagement ring I've just bought Valerie. And I'm giving you this kiss for bringing Kansas and me together. Yeah. Hey. Now give me a chance, Valerie. Annie. Annie. <laughs> you. You double clutter. I'm another, Casey. Logan. Hello, pal. <laughs> And me too, Casey. Yeah. You were in this too, Ethelbert? Uh-huh. And uh, now what'll it be, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Casey, this celebration will be on you. Crime Photographer, starring Scott Cotsworth as Casey, is produced and directed by John Deeds. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey, created by George Harmon Cox. Original music by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. This is Bill Cullen asking you to listen again next week at this same time to another exciting adventure of crime photographer. And also inviting you to listen to this is Nora Drake, radio's thrilling serial romance, heard every Monday through Friday over most of these stations. Consult your local newspaper for the exact time. Both of these programs brought to you each week by Tony Home Permanent. The wave that gives that natural look, and the new Tony Cream Shampoo for soft water shampooing, even in the hardest water. And now stay tuned for the Hallmark Playhouse, starring Richard Widmark in Enchanted Cottage, which follows immediately over most of these CBS stations. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. I have for you a uh, crime club and I love this one because I love the way it starts out with uh, uh, you know he's it's like you're at the library and you're looking for a book and he, he says and all of a sudden he just hey magically finds it for you it's there and um, this one is called death is a knockout I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Death is a knockout. Yes, we have that story for you. Come right over. chair by the window. Comfortable? The manuscript is on this shelf. Here it is. Death is a Knockout. A very exciting story of a golden opportunity that was melted down by murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. 
It was the night of the Joey Troy-Billy Sampson light heavyweight boxing match, and the crowd was already pushing into Madison Square Garden, filling it up. A few blocks away, another match was taking place in a small cafe between Hank Barnum, a sports writer, and lovely Ann Cooper, a reporter. For Pete's sake, Ann, you might try to be reasonable. Don't tell me, Hank. You're a personal friend of Pop Evans, Joey Troy's manager. You were the first one to give Joey Troy a break in print. There are no more tickets left. Oh. Oh, Why didn't you ask me a few days ago? I might have been able to swing a pass. I didn't see what I see now. Oh, what do you see now? A human interest story. The romance between Joey Troy and that girl of his. What's her name? Mabel Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, Anne, that's been going on for years. I told you all about it. It was never important until tonight. And tonight? I've got a yen to do a feature. Joey Troy, the brainless wonder, fighting for a crack at the champ. Tonight, Billy Sampson. Next year, the champ. Who pushed him up the cliff to those dizzy heights? Pop Evans. No, dear, not according to my story. It was a girl who stuck to him, inspired him, gave him the will to make good. Oh, by the way, who's that gorgeous redhead coming this way? Huh? Oh, that's Mabel Smith. I figured you'd be having dinner in this joint. You mind if I sit down? Mabel, this is Ann Cooper. Hello. Yeah. Hank, i got to talk to you about something very important. Okay, go ahead. What about her? Uh, she's all right. Well, okay. There's trouble, Hank. You enjoy? No, it's Marty French. He wants Pop to get Joy to throw the fight. Uh-huh. But Pop ain't doing it, and that means that... Uh, no, no. Take it easy, Mabel. What's the proposition? 50000 if Joy takes it on the chin in the fourth round. Well, why didn't Pop tell me about it? He's scared stiff. The story broke in the papers, the fight might be called off. Would that be bad for Joey's morale? You don't know what's cooking, Miss Cooper. We didn't tell him. Why not? Because he's a dumb cluck who gets mad. He'd go after Marty and kill him. What do you want me to do, Mabel? You're going to be in Joy's corner tonight like always? Yep. Well, keep an eye on the towels they wipe his face with between rounds. Make sure there's no drug on him. All right, honey. I'll do what I can. I'll be watching from the eighth row ringside. So long, Hank. I'll see you later. Goodbye, Miss Cooper. Goodbye, Mabel. Well, there's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. And I'm burning up because I won't be there. Are you listening to me, Joey? Sure, Pop. You know I always listen to you. Now, keep pushing him. Don't give him a chance to get sick. You want me to take him this round, Pop? I'll let you know. You better tell me now, Pop. I don't hear so good when I'm fighting. There's the buzzer, kid. Now, we've got to clear it out. But, Pop, what do I do? Go after him. But don't leave yourself open. Okay, I'll knock him out. Now, Pop, that's the fourth round coming up. Now, what's so special about the fourth round, Hank? Nothing. Could be a lucky number. Is that all? Now, what's the matter with you tonight? You've been barking at me like a mutt. What's the idea of checking the stuff we take in the ring? There's no harm in smelling the towels, is there? Well, it ain't necessary either. Joey, get after him. You got him going now. Use both hands. Both hands. Don't give him a chance to get set. He's going to knock him out, Hank. He's going to knock him out. Both hands, Joey. Don't let him get off the ropes. Pop, what's the matter? I don't... Pop. Pop Evans. Hey, somebody get a doctor, quick. I didn't think you'd do it, Hank. I didn't think you'd try to commit murder with 20,000 people around it. Abel, are you sure you saw the gun? I told you. Marty French was sitting next to me. I know where the shot came from. I didn't hear a thing, and there isn't a mark on Pop. There was a shot, Hank. Marty was telling me how tough it would be if me and Joey never got married. And then Joey went to work on Billy Sampson, and then... He's coming, too. Shot. Shot. You see? He heard it, too. That's when he fainted. Shot. Joey. Joey. Ah, uh, take it easy, Pop. You gotta relax. Put me up. I gotta see Joey. He's been shot. Ah, he's all right, I tell you. Where is he? Upstairs winning a fight for you. Hiya, pals. Marty. Yeah. 
I saw them carry your weight, Pop. I thought maybe you had an accident. You tried to kill him. Me? Hey, what's this? Something for the press? You got a gun on you, Marty. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Huh? All right, if you'd rather talk to a cop. Hank, let's not have any trouble. Listen, Pop, are you afraid of this man? I don't want any trouble. <laughs> the way I let people talk about me. Chalk it up to a good mood. I got news. Joey lost. No, sweetheart. Your dumb boyfriend is the leading contender now. He gets first crack at the champ. When did it happen? Two minutes and 18 seconds, the seventh round. And I wasn't there to see him do it. I've been with him in every fight, and the biggest one so far... He's taking pictures now, and he's talking on the radio. You know how much I dropped tonight, Pop? That's got nothing to do with us. A hundred grand, sister. But don't get me wrong. I'm not sore. (laughs) I'm considering it an investment. What does that mean, Marty? You know, Hank... I look at you and I get ideas. Stick around. I'll give you a story you'll never be able to write. Such as? Just stick around. Now, I bought a bottle of champagne. The best. What for? We're going to have a few drinks to Joey. To the next champ. Not with me, you're not. Okay, then beat it. What? Say, who do you think you're talking to? Pop, tell her what I mean when I say beat it. Maybe, maybe you better not wait for Joey. Yeah. All right. I know where I stand. I'll be at the apartment. What's the matter, Hank? You look puzzled. Pop. Uh, let me tell you. There was a deal on for tonight, and he reneged. I didn't take any money from him, Hank. He sent one of his gangsters to train in camp with an envelope. The sneak gave it to me and drove away. There was 20,000 bucks in it I didn't know. I promised you 30 more, didn't I? And I told you where to go. Where's the 20 grand? Where? Why, you dirty crook, I gave it back to you yesterday after Joey and I got back from the training camp. Oh, quit kidding, pal. You're not making any impression on the press. He is, Marty. I believe him. You don't say. Are you going to write about it? Huh? <laughs> we'll wait for Joey, huh? Maybe he'll want to drink some of this champagne with us. <laughs> I'm depressed. You and Hank wasn't there to see me finish, Pop. What took you so long, Joey? Oh, they was taking a lot of pictures, moving pictures. Where's Mabel? She had to go home, kid. What for? She always waits for me to get to work. She had to go home, big shot. I ain't talking to you, Marty. That's what you think. I don't want you to bother me. I don't feel so good. What's the matter, son? Get these gloves off me, Pop. Sure. You don't have to act like you're lost. I ain't putting them on never again. What? Now, what do you mean? I mean it. Fighting's too dangerous. What? I'll be a monkey steps. Oh, wait a minute. Let's find out what he means. You know what almost happened in the ring tonight? What happens every time some guy hits me hard? What's that? I get mad, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I might kill some guy sometime, and then I'd be sorry. I oh, know you're tired, kid. Come on, I'll give you a rub down. I don't want to be sorry. I don't want to kill nobody. You haven't killed anybody yet, and you're not going to. Now. Come well, on. I'm scared, Pop. I never said it before because I don't want you to feel bad, but tonight... What's so different about tonight? I think they took Billy Simpson to the hospital, Hank. Oh. <laughs> You'll get over it, Joey. And next year when you're beating the... I tank, don't want you to talk to me, Marty. Then you tell him, Pop. He's in the big money now. You're not letting him quit, are you? Listen, Joey, we've worked a long time to get you to the top. And what do you think you're going to do to Mabel if you walk out in this now? Mabel. She wants to be the champ someday. Maybe she wants you to be famous and have a lot of money. She's been waiting for you, son. For me to be champ? Sure she has. Now, if you quit now, you'll break her heart. 
That's worse than getting mad, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just a dumb guy. I, I don't think. Open that bottle of champagne, Hank. We're celebrating. Open it yourself. I just seen a miracle go to waste. Okay, I don't mind. Is that the real stuff? Right out of my private cellar. You want to pour it? Yeah. I like champagne. I'll get the glasses. Yeah, do that. And then we'll drink to the partnership of Marty French and Pop Evans. Partnership? I'm taking a half interest in Joey, Pop. For how much, Marty? The 20 grand I left him on deposit. And the 100 grand I lost on the fight. I got none of your money. Now get out of here. Now, wait a minute. First, you sign this paper. A partnership agreement. 50-50 on Joey as long as he fights. You're taking a big chance, Marty. Am I? Are you going to put it on the front pages, Hank? Or tell the district attorney? Okay. Then I say Pop took the money from me. Let him prove that he didn't. Hey, what's this I hear about a partnership? This is nothing for you to worry about, Joey. I don't want you taking him for no partner. I don't like him. Yeah. (laughs) You'll get over that, too. Well, I guess I picked the wrong time to be nice to you guys. Let's have the drinks. Yeah. Here's yours, Marty. And this one's for you, Pop. I'll get yours and mine off this table, Hank. Here. One for you, one for me. Well... Here goes to the next champ. Hey, hey, this is good. Can I have another one? Sure, keep the bottle. Well, so long, pals. I'll see you tomorrow, Pop. Don't waste your time. You coming, Hank? With you. I said before, I look at you and I get ideas. Come on. Where? For a little walk. I got some plans I want to discuss with you. Not tonight, Marty. I'm spending it with nice people. I said, you're coming, Hank. (sighs) Would um, that bulge in your pocket be loaded? You want proof? Good night, folks. So long, Hank. I'll be there, pal. Let's have it, Marty. Let's see how you're pushing a gun at me through your pockets. (laughs) A gun? You fooled easy, Hank. Take a look. A package of chewing gum. I'm going back. The gun's in the other pocket. Uh, I'm going with you. Yeah. Oh, here. Keep yourself entertained. Have a stick. No, thanks. Well, you uh, don't mind if I do a little uh, chewing, do you? you got a mouthful already. Yeah, that's how I like it. Keeps me busy. What about those plans you wanted to discuss with me? Oh, yeah. You and I are going to be... Booze and pals for the night. Really? In the morning, I suppose, you'll throw me over for a blonde. Ah. <laughs> you don't get it. We're going to be inseparable. You're going to be my alibi. Your what? Yeah, that's right. Something's liable to happen to one of those lugs in the dressing room. Now, look here, Marty. If you think your gorillas are going don't to... Don't get excited. I said liable. And that means that I... Uh... Uh... <laughs> Hey, what's the matter with you? Uh, I don't know. I, I sort of just hit me in the stomach. I, I got pains. Awful. I... Marty. Marty. Oh, I'll be... He's dead. <laughs> Well, 
That's an exciting situation, isn't it? What do you think will come of it? We'll return to the story in a moment. You see, I'd like to talk to you for just a minute. As librarian of the crime club, I'm extremely interested in what you think of crime stories. And all of us will be very grateful to you for a short letter about them. Do crime stories supply a kind of relaxation for you after your day's work? Do they perhaps take your mind off the various problems that you'd like to forget for a little while? Do you find them interesting as sidelights on the minds of evildoers and as illustrations of the eventual failure of evil? Won't you take just a few minutes to write to us to tell us why you listen to crime stories? Your thoughts are so important to us. A letter or a card will be most deeply appreciated. Won't you please write one to the Crime Club in care of the Mutual Broadcasting System, New York 18? You'll be doing a great service to us, and you'll be helping us in planning these programs for your enjoyment. The address is the Crime Club, care of the Mutual Broadcasting System, New York 18. May we hear from you? And you shall hear from us now as we continue the story of Death is a Knockout. Marty French is dead in the corridor outside Joey Troyer's dressing room. It is 15 minutes later, and in the dressing room... I tell you, Hank, Joey didn't put a thing in Marty's drink. Listen, Pop, the police are going to be here in a few minutes. They're going to ask a lot of questions. He's all standing around this rub-down table, wasn't we? Did you see him do anything out of line? Not here, but we didn't see him pour the champagne. Wait a minute, I don't like what you're saying, Hank. That ain't friendship. All I want's the truth. You take that back. Take it back Stop or... it, Joey. Stop it, Pop. Okay, Pop, you're the boss. But he's got no right to put ideas in my head. All right, Joey, now get dressed. We're going home. Mabel's waiting. When did this happen, Pop? On the way home from the garden. After the cops told us we could go home, we dropped Hank and then Joey began to act up. I killed them, Mabel. Oh, shut up, you dumb Adonis. I remember while I was pouring the champagne, I was listening to Marty tell Pop he was a partner. I was getting madder every time he opened his mouth. There was a bottle of rubbing down stuff on the table with a skull and bones on a label. You didn't use it. Do you understand? I understand, honey, but maybe I did. Hank kept saying I did. What am I going to do with him? How can I go after a match with a champ as long as this idiot thinks he's a murderer? Matches and money. That's all you ever think about. Squeeze the gold out of them. What have I done to you? Mabel, that ain't no way to talk to Pop. Don't tell me how to talk. Why don't he let us get married? Why don't he cancel that no marriage clause in your contract? Well, I signed, Mabel. Did you know it was there? Did you even bother to read the paper? No, honey, I was a kid, and Pop said it was okay, so I... Listen, Pop... Joey, have I been a good manager to you? Oh, who says you wasn't? Didn't I take you into my house when you had nothing? I fed you, I clothed you, I built you up to be a leading contender? Well, I ain't complaining, Pop. All right, then, believe me, son, marriage is no good for you now. Not until you're the champ. You can't have too many things on your mind. You hear that, Mabel? I gotta do what Pop says. Oh, you make me sick. Even so, now that I'm thinking... You wouldn't want to get hitched to no murderer. That again, huh? Well, maybe you know why you killed Marty. Yeah, he was getting him Pop's hair. He made me mad. Pop's hair? Sure. Say, Pop, even if Joey had 50 managers, he'd still get his 60%. Of course. But a partner would cut your profit in half. What are you getting at, Mabel? You had a reason for killing Marty. And all the time you've been letting Joey think he did it. Now, that ain't so, Mabel. Pop ain't no killer. No. Watch me prove it. Get away from that phone. Come on, Mabel. I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to give them the whole setup between you and Marty. Drop that phone. Oh. Hey, hey, Pop, cut it, aren't you? Twisting them oh. off. Crack it. 
Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lose my temper. But I want no more talk of murder. Now, look, Ann Cooper, you may be the light of my life, but you haven't, you, you haven't got a better reason. Yes, darling, a, a girl can be lonesome. Oh, but, Ann, it, it's against the rules at 2 o'clock in the morning, and besides, I'm tired. Uh, well, then you're out of circulation. Good night, dear. <sighs> Good night. Oh. Oh, what? What is this, Lover's Lane? Go home and let me die in peace. All right, all right. But you better not be the milkman. Hank, I'm sorry to be bothering you. I think nothing of it, Mabel. I'm running open house. Joey's in trouble. Something besides murder. I'm serious. I just saw something in the papers. The coroner found poison in Marty's stomach. No kidding. And how'd it get there? Joey thinks he did it. Hank, you got to help me. Joey's innocent, but when I left the apartment, he was talking about giving himself up. Now, that, Mabel, may be the only idea he ever had. I thought you were his friend. What motive did he have for killing that gambler? He's crazy about Pop, and Marty was trying to horn in. Sure, on Pop. Now, would Joey rub out a guy with poison? Ah. Uh, you think it was too subtle for him? I know it. He'd do it the hard way, with his knuckles. Could be. Say, Mabel... Was the glass that Marty drank the champagne from tested by the police for poison? I don't know. Why? Oh, I thought that might have been in the papers, too. How'd you like to drive downtown with me? Where to? The morgue. For a bird's-eye view of Marty. Yeah, I'd like to, but I'd better stick close to Joey. In his frame of mind, you never know what he'll do next. Hello, McCann. Oh, it's you, Mr. Barnum. Come in. I'm always glad when somebody walks in here. How's business? Oh, very quiet. What brings you to us at this hour? Marty French. Oh, yes. Would you like to see his body? Not this minute, but I would like to examine his clothes. Are they here? You too? Who else? Well, there's a lady looking at him now. A lady? In the wardrobe room. She's very beautiful, Mr. Varner. I don't often get a chance uh, to... Is she about uh, this tall? Yeah. And has she got... Blue eyes and a full mouth. A lovely mouth, Mr. Brown. And uh, uh, when she walks, does she... Uh... Yes, Mr. Brown, I'm just like that. Is she a friend of yours? She was. You don't know who I envy you, a live woman. Oh. Hello, darling. Hey, what are you doing here? Are you still lonesome? You wouldn't take me to the fight. Did you know there was going to be a murder? No, Anne, dear, but that's no reason for you to be picking a dead man's pocket. The police said he was poisoned. He drank champagne a few minutes before he died, and there was no poison in his glass. Are you sure of that? That's what they told me. So I came here looking for a clue. Uh, I'm a reporter, remember? What did you find? Oh, nothing much. This package of cigarettes, some loose change, and this package of... Oh. And just imagine how I felt when I pulled that out of his pocket. Let that be a lesson to you. Where's the package of chewing gum? How'd you know about that? Ah, I'm psychic. Let me have it. Oh, Hank, it's my favorite brand. Well, you better switch, honey. That kind good is what for what ails you. If you want to stop ailing for good. Hank, how can you be so sure that gum contains poison? You're a tough kid to convince, Anne. I like proof. All right. I'll give it to you. Here? Why not? It's a beautiful spring night, and the bugs are in all their glory. 
Pardon me if I think you've gone. What? Bugs. Mm, thank you, sweetheart. I take a stick of this gum, unwrap it, break it up into little pieces, and lay them on the sill of the car window. Well, Mother always told me never to trust a sports writer. In a few seconds, little bugs with wings will zoom out of the atmosphere to nibble at the bait. Ah, and won't they be surprised? You're so cruel. Ah, here they come. Look at them go for that sugar-coated poison. <laughs> Have a good time, little brothers. You're helping me find the murderer. Oh, what? Frank, these bugs... Yes, isn't it amazing? They're dying like flies. Joey, will you stop moping and go to bed? I ain't staying here in the apartment with you. I want Mabel. No, I don't know where she is. I've looked all over town for her. You ain't telling me the truth, Joey. Joey. You don't like Mabel. You, you, you twist it around. What's the matter with you, boy? You're like a wild animal. Yeah, a wild animal. I get mad and I don't know what I'm doing. I could kill a guy and not know I'm doing it. Oh, come on. Now you're tired. Go to bed. Sleep it off. Mm, I notice you get mad like that, too. If I killed anybody, I'd know about it. That's where you got it on me, Pop. Everybody knows I'm a dope. What are you trying to do, pin that murder on me? Mabel said you got the reason, didn't she? So that's it. Well, now listen to me, son. I'm not taking the nap for you or anybody else. Ha! What's so funny about that? You ain't so smart, Pop. I just tripped you up. Huh? You seen me do it, didn't you? So you do what? You saw me slip the poison in the glass. Now look at here, Joey. I don't want any more talk. Go to bed. I'm going to find Mabel. And then I'm going to give myself up to the cops. Look, Joy, please listen to me. You've got a brilliant career. We worked hard. We're near the top. You can't throw it away. Get out of my way, Pop. Think of me. I'm an old man. I can't go out and start looking for somebody else now. It takes years to build a good fighter. I haven't got the time. Pop, you're making me mad. You owe me something. I pulled you out of a pool room and made you into a human being. You're not going to let me down. I don't want to give it the effort. I don't want to. Pop. Pop, you on my... Don't lay there like it was dead. I didn't mean to hit you. Roaming around in Central Park at four o'clock in the morning. What do you think we are, Hank? A couple of sailors? I don't like it any more than you do, Anne, but we've got to find Joy. We're not going to find him. Hmm. Go on to bed. Huh? There he is, sitting on that Benton of the obelisk. Well, of all things... His favorite spot. That's where he met Mabel for the first time. Hello, Joey. Uh, oh, it's you, Hank. Yeah, and this is Ann Cooper. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. What are you doing here, Joey? I couldn't find Mabel, so he wanted to be alone with my thoughts. Oh, you poor thing. she throw you over for a wrestler? She wouldn't do nothing like that. She's a good kid. Oh, calm down, Joey. Have you seen Pop recently? Yeah, about an hour ago. And you know he's dead. Huh? What are you trying to give me, Hank? He ain't dead. He was when we saw him, Joey. Well, I hit him on the jaw because he made me mad, but I brung him through and he went to bed. We didn't find him in bed. He was on the floor. Somebody had cracked his skull with a hammer. Wait a minute. Are you saying it was me? Would I dare? Not if you know what's good for you. Oh, why, Mabel. Mabel, honey. I figured you'd be sweating it out here, Joy. I couldn't find you anyplace else. They're telling me I killed Pop. Don't pay any attention to him. They're not your friends. So you know about Pop, too, huh? Why shouldn't I? I found him and I called the cops. Would you know who killed him? One of Marty's boys. And Pop got it because he killed Marty. Is that what you told the police? Yes. And I gave him the whole inside story about Pop and Marty, too. Well, I guess that settles that. Uh, how about some gum? You got some, Hank? Mm-hmm. Right here. What kind is it? A popular kind. 
The kind Marty used to chew all the time. We found it in the pocket of his coat at the morgue. Uh, you're not afraid of it, are you, Joey? I ain't afraid of nothing. Give me a piece. Okay. One for you, too, Mabel? No. I never chew. Oh, that's too bad. How about you, Ann? I don't mind. Uh, don't uh, forget to take the paper off, dear. Stop it, Joey. Huh? What's the matter? Don't put that gum in your mouth. Why not, Mabel? Come on, Joey. We're getting out of here. Just a minute. We've got a few things to talk about first. If you add them up, they'll total like murder. Uh, tell me, Ann, do you think the automobile will ever replace the horses? This is much more romantic. Carriage ride in Central Park. By the dawn's early light. Yeah. And, darling. Well, hold your horses, Hank. Oh. When did you decide that Mabel killed Marty? When you found that package of chewing gum. He wasn't killed by the champagne, so therefore, and to wit... But how could she have slipped it into his pocket to were all in Joey's dressing room together? She didn't do it there. She performed that bit of hocus-pocus during the fight while Marty Frank was sitting next to her thinking about Pop's business. Oh, I see. And Marty was much too absorbed to know what was happening. But why did she kill Pop? Because of Joey. What do you mean? Well, her idea in getting rid of Marty was to French Pop. The old guy had a hold on Joey she couldn't break. Then the unexpected happened. What unexpected? Joey, the big dope, dull of guilt feelings, was going to throw himself at the chair. Oh. You never know, do you? Oh, well. Hank, don't you think the horse has many advantages over the automobile? Well, you can't eat an automobile. I mean, lie back in the carriage and listen to the trot, trot, trot. Mm. So romantic. And so peaceful. Darling, have I told you tonight how lovely you are? Not yet. It never hurts. Yeah, like a moonbeam on a... And look at me. What was the matter? Would you kill a couple of men just to get me? Don't be silly. Of course not. But I'd slaughter a couple of dozen women. And so closes tonight's Crime Club story, Death is a Knockout. Stedman Coles wrote the radio script. Roger Bala produced and directed. Tonight's cast included Sidney Smith as Hank Barnum, Ted DeCorsia as Joey Troy, Barbara Joyce played Mabel Smith, Bill Smith was Pop Evans, Arthur Vinton was heard as Marty French, and Joan Tompkins was Ann Cooper. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. We have the very exciting story of love and politics, in which the deciding vote was cast by death. It's called Hearses, Don't Hurry, by Stephen Ransom. In the meantime? Well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we'll look for you next week. This program came from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. 
Next, I have for you, uh, Crime Does Not Pay, and it's uh, the episode is called Death on the Doorstep. And this one made me shiver a little bit. Maybe it'll make you shiver, too. So you'll have to let me know what you think. Crime Does Not Pay. Sure. Sure, I like you a lot, Happy. I like the way you laugh all the time, too. <laughs> yeah? I like to laugh. I have fun. Lots of it. I, I don't think your kind of fun is nice fun, though, Happy. What give you that idea, baby? It's your eyes, Happy. You don't laugh in your eyes. You get used to me, baby. You'll have to. On account of you saw me in Cottonmouth with the rifle, see? But you said it was for hunting. <laughs> sure it was for hunting, sugar. You don't think that jerk across the street just dropped dead, do you? From lead poisoning, maybe? <laughs> In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on the famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear Death on the Doorstep, starring Donald Curtis. Now, Crime Does Not Pay, starring Donald Curtis as Happy Dick Davis in Death on the Doorstep. The workings of organized crime are far more complicated than most people realize. Not only is the nation divided into districts, each with its own administration... But the large cities are split up that way as well. And any boss in any district may request help at a price, of course, from any other boss, to settle his present difficulties. That's how it happened that happy Dick Davis, specialist in executions, went south for the winter. Happy took the train he felt flying was too risky for himself. And in due course, he was met at the station and driven to the local headquarters. Here he is, boss. Happy Dick Davis himself. In person. As ordered, boss. As ordered. Glad to see you, Happy. Sit down. Smoke? Don't mind if I do. Start talking, Happy. How do you operate? Depends. On what? Situation. If I can get in close, I like to use a piece of sash cord. For distance, I like a rifle with a telescopic sight. Kind of noisy, a rifle. <laughs> Not with a silencer, it ain't. I told you, boss. What a man. Thanks. What's your plan for here? Who's the character you want? Name Cedar Stone. A stoolie. Stoolies die slow up north. No, we got no time. This bum is talking our best men into a ten-year rap. Federal, too. He's got to go. And quick. Who's the finger man? Cotton. Yeah. Give it. Okay. Your pal, C.D. Handy? Cotton. I know where to find him. Okay. Let's ride. One thing, though. Yeah. Why'd you send for me? Not that it's any of your business, but we wanted somebody from out of town. All my trigger boys are shacked up with perfect alibis this minute. 
They're staying that way until the job is done. <laughs> Telephone them, boss. Tell them they can come out of the woodwork tonight. Not much of a town you got here, Cottonmouth. We do all right. 40,000 folks. 13 schools, 4 movies, 2 libraries, and 87 churches. Well, what for all them churches? Nothing else to do Sundays is all. What do you do for fun? <laughs> we'll show you when the job's done. It ain't gonna get done walking the streets like this. CD hangs out in a couple of these pool rooms. He'll be all along soon. Oh. Why do they call you Cottonmouth? The Cottonmouth is the snake with the most poison in the swamps around here. Take it for yourself. I get it. Look, if I'm supposed to do this job alone, are you going to tag along after we find this jerk? Yep. What for? Boss's orders. Why? He said you laugh too much. You guys don't trust nobody, do you? Nope. Uh-huh. What about your alibi? Airtight. She'll swear on a stack I was with her. She'll wish it was true. <laughs> Tomorrow night. That's a promise. Thanks, pal. You know, one of these days I'm going to marry that dame. Hey, look at that. Huh? Seedy. Which one? In the cap. Case in the move. I see. Kind of scrawny. Shouldn't be no trouble. Oh, he's going inside. Uh. Imagine he's going to the movies. Come on. Hey, you going after him in there? Yeah, I want to blow this dump. All them churches must have funeral parlors attached. But the joint will be packed. They got a western. All the better. I'll get him with the rope and we'll get out before anybody knows nothing. After they find him, it'll be a mob scene. Nobody will remember nothing. Brother, you sure know your business. Yep. That's why the price is high. How many did you wish, please? Two, baby. You for me and a friend of yours for a friend of mine. I meant tickets, big boy. So did I till I caught the looks in your lamps, kid. Say, you must be from out of town. How'd you guess? Hey, if we're going in, Apple, we better get My going. friend here is afraid he missed the shooting. Here you are. 70 cents, please. Thank you, sir. Don't mention it. 70 cents for two. Cheap down here. Come on, Cotton. See your pal, Seedy? Looking at the cheesecake and the pictures in the lobby here? He just went in this minute. Come on. Two tickets right here. There he is. Turn down the aisle. Hey, that's me. He's sitting on the aisle in the last row. Is it? How can I reach him with the rope? Why do they build these walls back at the last row? Uh, keeps out drafts, I guess. What do we do, Happy? Wait till he comes out? No. I want to get this job over with. Hey. That ought to do it. What ought to do it? A fire axe. There on the wall. Hold everything. Hey, happy. Don't try it. Nice heft of this. One clunk and boom. Happy. Happy if you miss. I ain't gonna miss. Now watch this. This is gonna be a cinch. Happy, look out. He's getting up. Oh, for the love of Mike. Ah, the dope must have seen another seat down front. Yeah, of course. All my life I wanted to do a job with a fire axe, and now... The jerk has to be a movie house seat jumper. Oh, you didn't get him. This time. Right. <laughs> First time I ever had anything like that happen to me. This job must be a hoodoo. Could happen to anybody, Hap. You work out of this world. Or you don't miss a trick. But I'll miss my train if I keep shooting the breeze. Train? What train, my friend? Next train, north. 
Sorry, boss. I paid good money for this job. You'll get a refund. My outfit guarantees delivery or your money back. I told you I wanted this thing taken care of now. CD's got to be put away. Not by me. By you. Any ideas on how? I have. Now, never mind your newfangled ideas. Cottonmouth will get you a car. You can park in front of Cedar's rooming house and let him have it first thing in the morning. If you haven't got a piece, I'll give you one. Uh-uh. No cowboy jobs for me. Too many things can happen. Cowboy jobs? Yeah. Fire away, car in gear, take the corner on two wheels. High-O silver. Uh-uh. Not me. No cowboy jobs. That's out. You got a better idea, son? Sure I have. What's across the street from Seedy's place? Another room and house? What else? Good enough. If we can't get a front room, we'll use the roof. You see, pals, my favorite piece of luggage for a trip like this is the sweetest Springfield 3030 you ever saw, complete with telescopic sight and silencer. <laughs> Mr. Davis? Yeah. And mine's happy. <laughs> I told you that. I know. And why don't you use it, baby? Stop being so formal. My mom always told me to call a man friend, mister. It's more polite. Didn't your mother ever tell you about coming into a fellow's room by yourself and closing the door? Ma <laughs> <laughs> tells me about that every day. But you're not just a rumor, happy. You're from New York. Come here, baby. How old are you, Selma, baby? Twenty-one. Why? <laughs> well, because, kid, it's a rule up where I come from that you always ask the landlady's daughter her age before you kiss her. Like this. Oh, oh happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> That's me, kid. <laughs> happy makes them happy, coast to coast. You know, kid... This is about the best layout I ever volunteered for. Volunteered for? Didn't I tell you? The firm I work for always gives us uh, salesmen a chance to volunteer for a tough territory to show how good we are. We make good, we uh, get a bonus. I I usually volunteer, and, and sister, <laughs> you ought to see my bank account. Well, if you're a salesman, why do you stay here all day and play with that rifle? Just waiting for my customers. And, uh, thought maybe I'd get a little hunting in. Oh, it's late for the season now. I like to case the, uh, explore territory, that is. Give us another kiss, baby. Ma says I should always watch my step. Oh, uh, she does, huh? What's that funny thing on the end of your rifle? Oh, uh, that's a recoil daughter. Like they had on the tank guns during the war. Saves my shoulder from the recoil. That must be a mighty powerful rifle, Happy. Tell me about rabbits, maybe a deer. Uh, beg your pardon, miss. Oh, that's perfectly all right. How are you, Mr. Jackson? Happy to see you so soon. Uh, Selma, this is the customer I was telling you about. Oh. Well, excuse me. Ma will be wondering anyhow. Uh, happy to know you, Mr. Jackson. Uh, same here, miss. Who's the dame? Landlady's daughter. Well, what's cooking? He'll be out in a minute. Was up on his landing. Heard him tell his wife he needed cigarettes, so I came right over. Great. Well, the uh, windowsill makes a perfect 
rest for the rifle. Where do you want me, Happy? On my left, behind. Where you can see, but you won't get in my way. Okay, yeah? Okay. Perfect. The telescope puts that doorway right in this room. That him? No, no. Not yet. Oh. That's him, Happy. <laughs> That's his last cigarette he's lighting. Like the top sergeant says, squeeze the trigger. Out of this world, Happy. Beautiful. Boy, oh, ain't a silence or something? Yep. Clean. Right between the eyes. Come on, Katma. Let's blow. The back way. This neighborhood ain't going to be healthy for us in about ten minutes. In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with Death on the Doorstep. Now we continue with Crime Does Not Pay, starring Donald Curtis as Happy Dickens in Death on the Doorstep. A man quietly and silently dead in a doorway attracts much less attention than one would believe. Happy Davis knew this and took full advantage of it. Thus Happy and Cottonmouth were safely and gaily celebrating their achievement in the Big Shot's quarters by the time the first sirens announced the arrival of the police at the scene of the crime. And it was almost three quarters of an hour after C.D.'s death that Sergeant Taylor of the local homicide squad straightened up from bending over Come the body now, and get said... Back, Dick. Come on, get back. All right, Hall. Guess we've done about everything we can at this point. Looks like it, Sergeant. Simpson? Yes, sir. You got good, clean prints from the body? Yes, sir, but there's no doubt of it. He's Seedy Stone, all right. Another stoolie they caught up with. There are plenty more where Seedy came from, but we can't let him get away with this. They'll feel too free with the others, so we got work to do. No weapons around here. I got the boys checking sewer gratings up and down the street. Sure, on each job, one hole right between the eyes. I wonder now. From the way he fell, he was facing the street. Here's your finger job. He came out of the house, stopped on the doorstep. He was pointed out. They let him have it. Off they go. Any stolen cars been reported since yesterday? Anybody around here notice a car or hear a shot? Check. Not even a backfire. Now look at the position of the wound. Above the bridge of the nose. Yeah. Now, how'd they get him there? If they fired from street level, while he was standing here, four steps up. Uh, maybe from the side. No, no, not a chance. Directly from in front. So, uh, they walked up to him first. No, no. Give me a hand here. Uh, Lift him up. Okay. Yeah. Here, Eddie. Now, face him out toward the street. Uh, yeah. This way? Yeah. Now, you see what I mean? The angle was down. He was shot from above. Uh-huh. Airplanes now? Okay, put him down. Right. Let the meat wagon have yeah. I think we're going visiting across the street. <laughs> See what I mean, Hall? Vacancy. Somebody's moved out. Yes, sir. Uh, your sign says vacancy. Yes, sir. You the landlady? No, sir. My mother is. She's out. Can we see the room? Well, it's just a double. Only two of us here, miss. My friend Simpson here has a place to stay. 
All right, you can come in. It's the third floor front. Third floor front. Uh, is room been vacant long? No, sir, just about now. Not even cleaned up yet. Hey, what a break. Oh, that won't bother us. You notice the excitement across the street, miss? No, I didn't. Had the room. They left a week's rent on the bureau and beat it. Didn't even say goodbye. Anything happened? Yeah. Somebody got shot right across the street. What? Of all things. Person's life isn't safe anywhere these days. Oh, this person knew he was taking chances. This is the room. Well, thank you, ma'am. Want to look it over, fellas? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Not a bad view. Front room and everything. Uh, you see, miss? What? They're taking the body away now. It's too bad the room was left. They'd have seen everything. Yes, wouldn't they? And very neat, were they? Cigarette butts on the floor and all. The sergeant, found this right near the window. Looks like we picked the right place. What? That's a bullet. No, it's a shell, miss. Well, Happy had a rifle here with a funny thing on the end... He said it was a shock absorber or something. Silence, uh, Yeah, it must have been. You, you don't want to rent this room. You're cops. Yes, miss. Sergeant Taylor, homicide. It's Detective Hall, Detective Simpson. How do you do, miss? Apparently, the man who was killed across the street was shot from up here. Oh, no. Did you know this, uh, Happy well? Well enough. A local fella? Well, his friend, Mr. Jackson, sounded like he came around here, but... Happy. He came from New York. He told me. Well, look, miss. I have an idea. You don't have to play along if you don't want to. I have a hunch you'd be interested. Now, you listen closely. You couldn't know how neat it was. See these stops on the stoop. That's a cigarette. That's all. Wrap it between the eyes. Sure you got away clean? <laughs> clean as a whistle. Good. In fact, perfect. I got a little something for you, Happy. Sort of a bonus. Oh. A G-note for yourself. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> Some jobs are worth volunteering for. You gonna take the night train, Happy? Well, you might as well. I'll let your boss know what a great job you did. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll stick around a few days. Hey, it's the dame, boss. What dame? Landlady's daughter. That sort of thing ain't safe, Happy. Dames is poison south or north. That babe don't know from nothing. Except that a fellow from New York is different. <laughs> well, he, he talks different, anyhow. Well, so can she. Don't worry, boss. Second, I use the phone. Well, you're on your own now. Go on. Help yourself. Thanks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get used to dialing only four numbers. New York, we got seven. Hello? Hi, Selma. Oh, is it you? Surprise, baby. You walked out awful quick, Happy. I, I come into some money awful quick. I was about helping me get rid of it tonight. You mean dancing, maybe? <laughs> Nothing else but pick you up, say, eight o'clock. See you later, kid. See what I mean, fellas? Talk different, and a dame is a lead pipe cinch. 
a smooth car, Happy. So big. <laughs> I, I saw one like it in a movie. Yeah. Hollywood's full of them. Why are you stopping, Happy? <laughs> I got to park. According to the rules, when you're out with a trick like you, you got to park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Happy, you're so funny sometimes. Only sometimes? Most of the time. Sure is quiet out here. Not like the big town. Want to go to New York, Selma? Me? New York? Who wouldn't? Want to go with me? So you can walk out on me like you did this morning? I came back for you, didn't I? Uh-huh. But next time, maybe you wouldn't come back. What's the matter, baby? Don't you like me? Oh, sure. Sure, I, I like you a lot, Happy. <laughs> I like the way you... Laugh all the time, too. <laughs> so I like to laugh. I have fun. Lots of it. I don't think your kind of fun is nice fun, Happy. I'll give you that idea, babe. It's your eyes, Happy. You don't laugh in your eyes. You'll get used to me, baby. Sure you will. You'll have to. On account of you saw me in Cottonmouth with a rifle, see? But, but you said it was for hunting. Sure it was for hunting, sugar. You don't think that jerk across the street just dropped dead, do you? From lead poisoning, maybe? But I, I don't understand, Happy. Honest, I don't. I'll draw you a diagram, kid. You got two choices, see? You can come with me and have fun, or you can stay here, permanent. I, I, could I maybe have just a little time? Sure. Take all the time you want until tomorrow night. I'm going north on the night train, so you figure all you want. And have your bag packed when I come for you. What happened? That's I... the picture, kid. And it don't need no frame around it. Just a minute. Happy. You did come back. Told you I would, baby. Ready for the big town, sugar? Well, I... I'll... Come, come on in the parlor, will you, Happy? Okay, kid. Well, I make it snappy. We got 40 minutes to the train. You ought to be darn glad you're getting away from the rubber plants and the doilies, sister. Happy, I, I... I just don't know. That is, I'm not going with you. You nuts or something? I'm staying here. That's the way you want it, huh? Well, I, I can't leave my mother alone. Happy! What's the matter, baby? It's only a piece of sash cord. I know. You want to stay here? Okay, you stay. This Berg's dead as a doornail anyway. You might as well stay here dead as alive. That goes for you too, Happy. Hang a man. What is it? Hey, take your hands off me. Oh, if you ain't got nothing on me. Shut up. You heard him, Davis. And you'll hear plenty before we're through. I want a mouthpiece. You can't hold me. Oh, can't we? I think can. What charge, Flatfoot? What charge? Keep a civil tongue in your head. You're charged with plenty. Murder of Cedar Stone, the attempted murder of this girl here. You can't prove a thing. We can prove the works, Davis. Cottonmouth is singing his head off. We traced a thousand dollar bill you changed at the hotel this morning straight to the boss, and he's locked up too. We got your prints and Cottonmouth from the room upstairs. 
We picked up your luggage from the check room at the station, your rifle included, complete with fingerprints. We got the shell you fired and the bullet. Can't prove anything, Davis? We got enough to fry you twice. But once will be quite enough. It usually is, in my experience. Lion does not pay. Donald Curtis, who has starred as Happy Dick Davis in Death on the Doorstep, will be back with you in just a moment. Now, here in person is Donald Curtis. It's apparent to my thinking, and as we have demonstrated, that even cool calculating killers like Happy Davis are in the long run. But that run doesn't have to be long. It can be cut very short by courage and clear thinking of everyday citizens. Once they realize that organized crime feeds only on the indolence and carelessness of people like you and me. Think that through, and you'll understand that in our hands, that crime does not pay. Thank you. Crime Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark B. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Gart. Technical advisor is Burton B. Curtis. The events, characters, and names used in the story you've just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely coincidental. Okay, now here we are, everybody. We are ready for our strawberry and whipped cream that we add to our Sunday. Now, I haven't made up a Sunday yet this week, um, but while I'm making up mine, you can uh, you can make yours for real if you want to, um, or you can um, just. Make it imaginary like I do. And I kind of do this. It's it's a fun thing. Uh, it was something a little bit different I wanted to do with my radio show. And uh, it's... I have type 2 diabetes, as many of you do. But by doing this, um, then I kind of don't eat so much ice cream. <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of a psychological thing, but... Uh, uh, Anyway, so I think what I'll do today is I will take an Eskimo pie. And on top of that Eskimo pie, I'll put my strawberry and Cool Whip. So I love Cool Whip. Yay! Uh, and I love strawberries too. Uh, or if you prefer cherries, then you fix you one with cherries. I don't like the maraschino cherries that uh, most of these places put on top of their banana splits or sundaes or what have you but if you like maraschino cherries then go for it but um this is dr jekyll and mr mr hyde episodes 13 through 16 
present George Edwards in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. If you're feeling well enough to walk, Henry, I think we'd better go back to the house. Margaret and your mother are terribly anxious about you. But why? We all fear that this man Margaret saw may have been up to some sort of devilment and that you were hurt. Oh, what nonsense, He's a friend of mine. The last one in the world to do me any harm. Where did you meet him? From what Margaret said, he must be a very unpleasant-looking person. The poor child was frightened into hysteria by the very sight of him. Oh, that's bad. I, I'm terribly sorry she saw him. Well, it won't happen again, I promise you. Then come along and let them see for themselves that you're safe and sound. Margaret came over here to see if you'd go with her to Lord's. You mean cricket? Yes. <laughs> I'd almost forgotten the existence of such a thing. Then it wouldn't do you any harm to remember it. You'll have to get out of the atmosphere of this laboratory of yours, my boy. You're as pale as a ghost. Come along. Shut the door after you and forget it for a while. I will. I said I'd keep on until I'd made the discovery. Now that I have, you'll see me turn into a different person. I'm free now, Father. Free as I've never been before in my whole life. As no man has ever been. Well, I'm sure I don't quite know why you should say that, but if it means we're going to see something of you and you're going to live a more normal, happy life, I must say I'm very glad. Why, it's a lovely day, quite warm and sunny outside. Mr. Jekyll, Mr. Jekyll, come quickly. Why, Maud, what's the matter? Mr. Jekyll, sir, she's had a turn. She's awful bad. Henry, come quickly. The shock and excitement's been too much for her. Lie her down flat on the floor, Margaret. Now, take away that cushion. Now, loosen the collar of the dress. Father, the hypodermic. It's all right. We'll get her round. Can I get you anything else? No. This injection is the only thing. She should rally in a few moments. Henry, she's lying awfully still. I... I can't seem to feel her pulse. Let me try Henry. What is it? Why are you looking like that? Oh, Father. Father, the breathing stopped. Henry. She's dead. She's dead. just sign these documents, Henry. That finalizes all the legal side of the matter and your mother's estate passes to you. Just here, uh, beside that seal. <clears throat> well, you're now a young man of considerable fortune, Henry. Yes. I had no idea that mother was so wealthy. It's a big responsibility. You can do a great many things with as much money as that. I hope I'll do good with it, Mr. Addison. 
I hope you will. Oh, Mr. Utterson, nearly two years ago I spoke to you about Margaret. You told me then that you were not satisfied with the thought of me as a husband. Do you remember? Yes, I remember very well. Have you still got anything against me? Who is this man, Edward Hyde? Why do you ask about him? I can't help wondering what you can have to do with such a man. What do you know about him? Nothing. I only know what my daughter told me. But her description was enough to rouse all my old doubts and apprehensions. If you have anything in common with such a man, what manner of man are you? This is too much. Before, you had a legitimate cause for complaint against me. I hold no brief for myself. But you promised me that if I gave up my old ways of life, you'd give me another chance. Have you had anything against me in the past two years? Nothing. Your life has been blameless. And now you make this man hide, whom you know nothing of, an excuse for denying Margaret to me. This is why I've seen so little of her lately, isn't it? She was very shaken by your mother's death. You know that. She went to stay in the country. At John Fairley's place. You're hoping she might begin to prefer John, aren't you? Margaret is free to marry whomsoever she chooses. That's not true. She chose me years ago. And you've done everything in your power to keep us apart. Margaret's welfare is my first consideration, Henry. I want nothing but her happiness. I would never go so far as to forbid her to marry you. But you'll do everything in your power to try and wean her away from me. I would think that I'd done less than my duty to her if I did anything else. Mr. Utterson, what have you got against me? Edward Hyde. be wanting any supper when you come in, uh, Mr. Henry, sir? No, thanks, Paul. Oh, uh, by the way, I'm going down to the laboratory for a while. If I'm not into dinner, don't worry about it. Uh, no, sir. And don't tell anybody where I am. You understand that? No one at all. Uh, I understand, sir. I'm thinking of going away for a few days, as a matter of fact. If I'm not here in the morning, you'll know that I've gone. Yes, sir. Uh, would you like to leave an address uh, for letters or messages? No, uh, no address. I'm going away to be by myself. Completely by myself. Yes, sir. A very good idea, sir. You know, Poole, when you drop your eyes like that and get that bland, expressionless look of stupidity over your face, I realize all over again what a pearl of butlers you are. I've always endeavored to give satisfaction, sir. Well, go on. Get away with you down to the servants' quarters and see that none of those maids ever come spying round that outer building. I'll not stand for it, mind. Oh, sir, I, I hope there hasn't been any more of that since I dismissed Alice. No, there hasn't, but it doesn't do any harm to keep reminding them. I'll remind them, sir. You can rely on me for that. Uh, how long do you intend to be away, sir? I don't know. Uh, you can expect me when you see me. Webs over everything. I haven't been here for weeks. Not since the night. The night that mother died. Why should I think of that? 
I've come in here to forget it. To forget Henry Jekyll and everything about him. I'm sick to death of him. Let's have a little of Hyde. There's nothing half-hearted about Hyde. He knows what he wants. And there are no regrets. He never weeps or repents. He's made his bargain with the devil, and he pays the price. Let me see now. Here's the tincture. And here are the salts. I must weigh them to the utmost point of accuracy. Wasn't that what you said, Professor? Can you see me now? Are you pleased with your pupil? I haven't failed to keep my promise. In a few more minutes, you will see my other self in all his perfidy. The living, breathing vindication of your death. One. Two. Three. Four minims. That's the dose. And now. The salts. Now the crystals start to melt. And the color changes. Crimson. Rich and thick. Like human blood. Now it brightens and the gases start to rise. It starts to change. It turns to purple. Darker. Darker. And the boiling stops. Now it fades. It turns to green. Palest. Coolest green. And nothing remains now but to drink it down. Look in the mirror, Henry Jekyll. Take a last look at your pallid, haunted face. The face that she at one time likened to a saint. <laughs> Saints! <laughs> what did they get for their pains but martyrdom? And the chill austerity of self-denial and prayers. Is that what you wish for, Henry Jekyll? Don't you prefer the pleasures of the earth to the doubtful rewards of heaven? The laughter and the music and the wine? The red lips of women and the fever of impassioned nights? Drink then, you craven. Why do you hesitate? The agonies that follow will be terrible, but so are the pangs of birth. Come, dump it down and be reborn as Edward Hyde. Then nothing is denied to you. No matter what foul action you commit, once you assume again the form of Henry Jekyll, you have passed beyond the range of punishment. Close your eyes and nerve yourself and drink. It's done. It's over with. Once more, I've had the courage to go through the agony, and now, in a moment... I'll get up off the floor and look at myself in the mirror. I'll see the form of Edward Hyde, hideous, misshapen, and dwarfed. A sight to chill the very blood of common men. Now I'm strong enough. Now I can get up and look. What's this? I see the face of Henry Jekyll. 
It isn't hide. I failed. I failed. I've lost the power. I've lost the power. Stop. Wait a minute. Think calmly. There's been some slight mistake, that's all. A simple error. I must try again. Again. Oh, that agony, that grinding of the bones, that deadly nausea, the horror of the spirit that cannot be exceeded in the hour of birth or death. No, I can't do it. Not again. I'll not leave this room till I succeed. <laughs> oh, how tired. How tired I am. How tired. <laughs> people like you still existed. No wonder. This is a fine, dreary little morgue you've fixed up for yourself. Oh, tell me, what's that table over there? Looks like something out of the dissecting room. So it is. You see, this whole place used to belong to a famous surgeon before my father bought it. He used to carry out experiments here. Uh, some say vivisection. Uh, no wonder the place brings me out in goose flesh. <laughs> No windows either on the ground level. No. Didn't want anyone peeping in. And soundproof, too. When I shut that inner door, no sound can get through. And this is where you've been most of the summer. No wonder you look as pale as a ghost. Come along out of it. We'll take a bus and have a day on the Thames. You know, I'll bet you haven't had an oar in your hand since you left Oxford. Well, you're quite right there. I haven't. Then how about it? Listen, Will. Hire a punt and get a picnic basket at some nice little country inn and lie out on the grass and eat sandwiches and drink good old English beer. <laughs> and you'll tell me all about the buxom peasant wenches you bet out in Austria. Nothing omitted, old boy. Positively nothing. All right. I'll be with you just as soon as I've changed my clothes. Uh, come over to the house. We'll get the rascally pool to put us up some food. Ah, there speaks the good old Henry Jekyll. Hence loathed melancholy. From Cerebus and Blackus, midnight born. In Stygian cave forlorn, amongst horrid shapes and shrieks and sights unholy. Stop it! Stop it! 
What made you say that? What do you mean? What's the matter here? Here I say, they don't throttle me. I'm sorry. I'm awfully sorry, old chap. I don't know what came over me. But those words... Oh, come along. Let's get out of this quickly. Yeah. Can't be too quick for me, old chap. more of your father's excellent ale. Where's your glass? Uh, beside that tuft of grass. Oh, yes, that's it. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's good to lie here with the sun in your face and the smell of warm earth in your nostrils. You don't know what sunlight is or how the earth can smell. You've lain out in the sun at midday in those Austrian valleys <laughs> and at midnight under the moon. Uh, how I envy you, Hugh. You can take your pleasure so simply... Just as simply as you swallow that glass of ale. I haven't noticed you showing any signs of constriction of the gullet. Ah, but I haven't got the capacity for roistering round Europe. I'm too much of a hypocrite, I suppose. I'm afraid of losing somebody's good opinion. Do you know what's the matter with you? No. Margaret Utterson. What? You've been trying to live up to her and acquire grace in the eyes of that jealous old Puritan of a father of hers. Ah, what rot. Oh, no, it's not. But it's a sheer waste of time. A fellow like you is bound to break out now and again. You know, it's my opinion he's delighted at having an excuse for preventing Margaret from marrying you. Yes, but why? Well, he'd like to keep her for himself. Life will be very empty for him when she goes. Hmm... You know, he's doing his best to marry her off to uh, John Fairley. She's been staying down at his place for almost two weeks. Hmm, but she's back in London now. I've got an invitation to dinner at her place tonight. Yes, I know. Well, you're going, aren't you? I don't know. What's the matter with you? She won't like it if you're not there. Well, maybe her father is right. I may not turn out to be a very good sort of a husband. Well, I'll be... Henry, what's come over you? When I went away, you were crazy over her. I still am. But in the last few weeks, I've begun to think that perhaps I ought not to marry. You mean on, a, on account of your work? Well, principally. Oh, I agree. Women can make the devil's own mess of one's plans. But personally, I think it would be a good thing if you got over Margaret. Oh, you utter fool. I haven't got over Margaret. Can't you understand that, that it's because I think so much of her that I'm trying to keep away? If she's hurt because I don't come tonight, and John Fairley's there, mightn't that make her think better of him? Well, of all the quixotic rubbish I ever heard... You go ahead and marry a girl, whatever the outcome of it may be, wouldn't you? Well, I hope it wouldn't be too horrible. No, that's right. It wouldn't be. Someday you'll marry some pretty little empty-headed creature who'll sit at the foot of your dining table, fill the nursery with children, and think you're the last word in manly virtue and wisdom. Oh, that's going too far, old chap. Ah, but you'll be happy. Yes, you'll be happy. In your own way. But me... I'm afraid I'll never be. Oh, now you're getting gloomy again. Time we left. Well, the sun's going behind those clouds anyhow. 
And if we're going to be in time for Margaret's dinner party... I've told you I don't think I'll go. Oh, nonsense. You're not going to give up like that. Come along and give John Fairley a run for his money. Anyhow, I'd love to see you do a lot of in the eye. I never could stand it. Hello. What's all that about? Comes from that building over there. Have you got any idea what it is? Oh, um, some sort of reformatory, isn't it? That's right, so it is. By Jove, one of the prisoners must have escaped. Yes. Look at the warders rushing out through the gates. I say, is that gun they've got? Hope they don't shoot this way. Well, come along. Let's move off. They're bound to stop us and ask if we've seen anyone and we'll be late enough getting back to town as it is. Yes, I... I say, listen, Henry. Why, there's someone coming this way. In a hurry, too. Now, I wonder if... Look, there he goes, behind those bushes. Look, look. Just over there. Good Lord, it's a woman. Well, I'll be... Mr. Henry, don't forget me. I'll be somewhere. Yeah, what's the matter with you, I say? Hattie. Hattie Wilson. Who oh, Henry. You. I say, what? Who? what? Good Lord. It's the girl from the music hall. I'd be, I'd be, I'll be in a minute. And I have to, I have to go back into that place. I'll, I'll kill myself. Here, quick. Into the boat. Get down on the floor. We'll cover you up with rugs. Quick. Help me, Hugh. But I say, listen. Don't argue. Help me cover her. And pick up that basket. We've got to be out in the middle of the stream by the time they get here. Now, don't you move, Hetty. Whatever happens. I say, Henry, look, Henry, do you realize what you're doing? Yes, I know, I know. I'm helping a prisoner to evade the law. If you like, you can go and call those warders and tell them about it. Oh, here, I say, don't be too hard, old man. Oh, then pick up that basket. Help me push this boat out from the bank. Ready? One, two, three, push. Now, Hetty, you lie down against those cushions... Pull your hat over your eyes and pretend to be asleep. I'll do any talking that may be necessary. Mm. A nice, quiet afternoon in the country. Look out. Look out. They've seen us. Hello, Hello. Where have you come from? Lower Huntington. What do you think? Stop that boat while I talk to you. I'll do my best, but the current's pretty strong. Then pull into the shore. What for? Because we're the police, and we're looking for a prisoner that's escaped from the reformatory. I'd like to search that boat. Can he swim? What's that got to do with it? Well, he'd have to get us out of here. That's not good. We're wasting time. There's just a couple of tops out for the afternoon. Let them go. Oh, you'll never know. Ah, oh, what a dilemma, little tough like Eddie Wilson be down to the fair swells like that. You're going to be all right. All right, then. Off you go. Sure you wouldn't like us to come and help? Well, help? You? We've got work to do. Come along, boys, and let's have a look at the very tired of dozing here. Am I allowed to talk in my sleep? It all depends what you want to say. I just want to say that I may have had my moments in the Austrian Tyrol, but you go in for a form of excitement that's far, far beyond my humble scope. Oh, don't jest, Hugh. This is serious. Serious? Certainly is. 
both of us might be struck off the rolls of the BMA for conduct improper to the dignity of our profession. Do you realize that? I do. And I'm expected to lie here and pretend to be asleep. Well, you'll have to do more than that before we get Hetty hidden away. Being a friend of yours certainly has its drawbacks. But you are my friend, Hugh, aren't you? Yes. Confound you. Now keep on with that rowing and let's get out of here as fast as we can. I only ordered the brass plate the day before yesterday, and I'll die of disappointment if I get the sack before I have a chance to hang it up. those two young men? No, Father, I don't think I will. Oh, here's Hugh now. I wonder where Henry is. Perhaps Hugh will be able to tell us. Margaret, a thousand apologies. Henry and I went off to spend the day out in the country and didn't get back until late. Where is Henry? Isn't he coming? Um, uh, there was a call waiting for him when he got in. Something rather urgent, I think. He, he said to tell you that he'd be along as soon as he could. I didn't know Henry was bothering much about a private practice. Oh, uh, this is one of his patients in the East End, uh, you knew he went down there twice a week to give free advice and medical attention, didn't you? No, I had no idea. Neither had I. How long has he been doing this, Hugh? Oh, for quite a while, I understand. Uh, he was telling me this afternoon that he intends equipping a proper clinic with some of his mother's money and possibly opening a convalescent home somewhere out in the country where poor people can go. Why, Daddy, isn't that splendid? Well, now I can understand what's kept him tied up in London all the summer. And me thinking it was something else. Well, well, I'm very glad to hear that he's putting the money to such good use. And now, Margaret, my dear, our guests must be famished. I've asked John Fairley to take you in to dinner. Are you ready? Oh, but I'd much rather go in with you. I want to hear what he's been doing on the continent. And a whole lot more about Henry's clinic. Oh, I'm afraid that we'll have to wait, my dear. Here's John now, and you can't disappoint him. Then don't you go sitting half the evening over your port, Hugh. Not even Mr. Utterson's excellent wines will keep me away from you. Oh, hello, fella. Oh, hello. When did you get back? Two days ago. See you later, Margaret. Uh, Hugh, uh, will you take Miss Dawson in? Yes, certainly, Mr. So I draw the prize after all. What do you mean, John? When I saw our good friend Hugh Lanyon arrive, I thought that you'd be going into dinner on someone else's arm. Which proves all over again that one should never despair... What do you mean by that, Margaret? I mean that Henry isn't here, and see, I take your arm. Why isn't he here? 
What can there possibly be to explain his neglect of you all these weeks? His failure to come tonight. Fortunately, I can now tell you. Henry's gone to attend to one of his patients in the East End of London. East End? I didn't know he had a practice there. Neither did I, but he has, and he's there now. Because he feels that to help one of those poor people down there is better than to be here eating and drinking with us. And I agree with him. And now, if you'd kindly move my chair. I'm sorry. Really, I apologize. Taking me. Wait till I unlock this door. Oh, but this, this is the same place you brought me to before. Yes, and the place you ran away from, you little goose. You didn't come back. Well, I couldn't. When I went over to the house that night to get you some clothes and food, I found my father there. How could I explain to him about you? I had to pretend to go to bed. When I came over here an hour or so later, there was no sign of you. Oh, Henry... If I'd only known. And then you ran out of the place and tried to throw yourself into the river from the Battersea Bridge. What else was there for me to do? I had no one. No friends. No money. No nothing. Poor little Hetty. Well, sit down there and I'll get you something to drink. Here. Now, take this. Thanks. You had me, you know. I, I, I tried to find you the next day. I went to the place where you were, but they, well, they wouldn't let me see you. You, you come to the prison infirmary? Mm-hmm. Oh, if I'd only known, it would have meant so much to me. Why didn't you leave a message? Just a word. I did. I told the ward to tell you that I'd been. Uh, I left some money and a note. I never got them, never. And all this time, I've been so bitter. It's made me worse than I'd have been otherwise. How? I was one of the bad ones in that place I got away from today. The, the matron told me I had a criminal mind. They shut me up by myself. They won't go and let me out. I was to stay there for another three months for bad behavior. So you ran away? Yes. One of the warders, he, he helped me. So they're not all inhuman, then? <laughs> you don't think he did it out of kindness, do you? I paid him for everything he did, the beast. Hattie. I meant what I said this afternoon, that I'd die before I went back there. You poor little thing. Have you got any more of that brandy? Well, what about something to eat? There's food in the cupboard over there. Food? Real food? I haven't tasted any for nearly a year. Well, here it is. Chicken, white bread and butter. I can't believe it's true. Well, it is. The whole nightmare of the past is over, too. I'm going to see that things are better for you from now on, Hetty. But I couldn't be much worse. That's one comfort. Well, tell me what happened to you after... after you came out of the hospital. Well, you mean, after I tried to... Drive me over to the river. They sent me to prison for three months. It's against the law to attempt to take human life, they told me. Even your own. Of men. I made some friends in there. They were in for other things, stealing mostly. I went to live with them when I came out. Well, I was the beginner at the game. I got caught pretty soon. For stealing? Uh-huh. Got a year for it. I should have been coming out now, but... They decided to keep me there for insubordination and insolence. That's about the lot. I ran away this afternoon and here I am. If I get caught, I guess I'm there for years. They don't encourage prisoners to run away. They won't catch you. What you going to do with me? I'm going to keep you here for tonight. 
No one will find you. It's my laboratory. No one ever comes here but myself. But no running away, mind. <laughs> Is it likely? Without the cops in London on the watch yet for me? Good. Then I'll leave you now. There's a bed over there and plenty of food. I'll see you first thing in the morning. Uh, will that do? Yes. That'll do. I'll have to do. I guess I've got to take anything from you now. You won't have to take anything from me. Couldn't be any worse than what I've been taken in the past. No matter what it is, prison and the waters, solitary confinement weren't any worse than the knowing that you'd tricked me, let me down. Oh, Hetty, please don't. But you did, didn't you? You got me off to London knowing darn well that you'd never come and see me like you promised, didn't you? All right. You don't have to say anything. I know. Will you let me try and make it up to you? Huh? Now, by flipping me a father and telling me to run home and forget all about it? Oh, no, no. I won't let you down this time. I swear I won't. But you won't want to be saddled with me now, any more than you did years ago. Oh, don't worry. I understand these things now. I'm not green anymore. Perhaps you like me better that way. I liked you before. But not as much as you did your good name. It wouldn't have done for Henry Jekyll to be mixed up with a common little nobody like me. And I wouldn't do now. So don't think you fool me, Henry. But I'm not trying to fool you. I... Well, I acted like a cad and I admit it. Now I'm willing to try and help you. If you uh, don't think I'll do it, well, you can walk out that door. Oh, no. It's nice and comfortable here. And I've had precious little comfort for a long time. I think I'll stay. Yeah. That's right. I'll stay. Maybe you'll get sick on me like you did before. But you won't get rid of me so easily this time. Not be a long shot. If you only knew how much I've learned since that night you kissed me goodbye in the old mill. I don't blame you for being bitter, Hetty. Thanks. Well, you can run along if you want to. I suppose you've got some pressing engagement somewhere. Give the lady my calm regards and I'll be waiting for you tomorrow. So long. Henry, you've come at last. I was beginning to despair of you. I'm most awfully sorry, Margaret, but it was impossible to get away before. You don't have to apologize. I understand perfectly. You gave me your message. I think it's just wonderful of you, Henry. Uh, what is? That work you're doing in the East End, the clinic. Why didn't you tell me about it before? But, uh, who told you now? Why, Hugh, of course. Well, do come into the other room with me and tell me all about it. I do think you're mean, you know. I've been wondering and wondering what you do with yourself. And all the time you've been helping these poor people. Won't you let me help? Well, I... I don't know what to say, Margaret. Well, surely there's something I can do there. I could take temperatures and, and bandage legs uh, or Henry, arms. Uh, can I see you for a moment, old chap? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, will you excuse me, Margaret? On condition you come back immediately and tell me everything. Mm -hmm, I'll do my best. Uh, I won't be a moment. Well, Hugh, what's the matter? Look here, I, I, I didn't know what to say to account for you not being here. So I said you had a call to go down to one of your patients in the East End. Now, that's all right, isn't it? Oh, I suppose it is, uh, but I told you about my work there in strictest confidence, you know. Oh, yes, I know. But dash it all. Something pretty desperate had to be done. Margaret was looking daggers, just about ready to throw herself into John Fairley's arms. The clinic saved the day, old boy. I wonder. Well, of course it did. Anyhow, why should you be so, so secret about it? It's something anyone could be proud of. 
Not many fellows with your money and opportunity cares a hang for the poor wretches down there. You know, I think it's juicy decent of you. Thanks, you. Thanks. It's nice to feel that someone thinks well of me. Oh, I'm not the only one. Let's look over there. Look at the way Margaret's watching you. Go on. Follow up your advantage. Her father's been hoping that you've been up to all sorts of crimes while she's been away. <laughs> and all the time you've been above reproach. You shut up. You're an idiot. <laughs> Come on, you. You've had him all the afternoon. I've not seen him for ages. He's all yours, Margaret. And see you make the most of him. I wish he'd make the most of me. You will let me come down to the clinic with you one day, won't you, Henry? Yes, of course you can. When? Will tomorrow afternoon do? Uh, I'll be busy in the morning on something else. Oh, yes, of course it will. I'll put off everything else for it. Why didn't you tell me about it before? Well, I wanted to be sure of it. Sure of myself. It's, uh, well, it's just an experiment so far. I know it'll succeed. I'm so happy, Henry. Tell me. Are you just a little pleased to see me again? Pleased? My dear, if you only knew. take you out of it. Where to? A friend of mine who's away from London has left me the keys of his rooms. I know he won't uh, mind you using them. Supposing he comes back and finds me there? Oh, he wouldn't do that without letting me know. Are you sure? What's his name? His name? Yes. His name is Edward Hyde. <laughs> That's a funny name. Well, he's rather a queer person himself. Still, his rooms are very comfortable. You can be sure of not being disturbed. Uh, look, I brought you some clothes. If you dress yourself in these, I'll go and get a cab. You can slip out the back door and into it, and no one need see you. <laughs> it's funny to hear you talk like that. Anyone would think you'd been helping criminals to escape all your life. You're not a criminal, Hetty. Oh, yes, I am. Seven charges of stealing against me. You can't wink your heart that, you know. Well, get yourself dressed, and we'll be on our way. I'll open the door into the little lane at the back. You can come out as soon as you're ready. You'll find me waiting in the cab. Say, there isn't any trick in this, is there? What makes you ask? Hmm, I don't know. 
You just get used to looking for that catch in things after a while. Oh. Why should you bother about me, anyhow? Just to try and make you see that I'm not all bad. No, I, I never thought that. I just know you're like all the rest of us. Didn't want to be found out, that's all. Say, this is a nice dress. Where'd you get it? I went out and bought it first thing this morning. <laughs> well, you've got a good eye for what's nice. I'll give you that. Off you go, then. I'll be ready in about ten minutes. Well, here we are. Nobody here. Just as I told you. Oh, this is a bit of style, isn't it? Huh. You, Mr. I must be a proper swell to have things like this. What's he doing with it in a mean little back street like this? Well, I told you he was rather a queer sort of chap. He prefers this part of London. Do you mean to say he, he won't mind me being here? I'm sure he won't. Now, uh, just make yourself at home and do what you like. But look at the carpet and the furniture. <laughs> wow. I've never seen things like that before out of a shop. Bit neglected, though. Oh, look at all the dust. Well, you see, he's been away some time. And you can amuse yourself cleaning it up. And what will I do after that? I can't stay cooped up here all the time. Well, wait till tonight. After it gets dark, I'll come back and... Well, then we can decide uh, what you'll do. Uh, can you put up with it uh, for a day? <laughs> put up with it? Didn't I tell you I'd been doing solitary confinement in that hellhole of a prison reformatory? I'll order some food to be sent round to you from the shops. The tradespeople know this place. There's a little box just outside the kitchen door. They leave everything there, so you uh, needn't see anyone at all. Gee, look at the sun shining outside. You can see it even in this dirty little street. It'd be nice to go for a walk, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't think you'd better do that. Ah, oh, don't worry. I'm taking that chance. If you only knew what it's like to be shut up for months on end. The very thought of walking about among people again. Oh, well, no good thinking of that. You'll come tonight for sure, won't you? For sure? You can expect me around about ten o'clock. Ten? That's light. Well, it doesn't get dark till nearly nine. Yeah, that's right. And, and you're just as anxious to keep out of sight as I am. Wouldn't do to be seen with me, would it? Please, Hetty. Oh, I don't blame you. Off you go, then. I can see you on pins and needles. I'll be all right here. Well, I'll see you at ten o'clock, then. Yes, at ten o'clock. <laughs> little fellow. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you very much. Margaret, hand me over that basin of water and some fresh lint, will you? What's the matter, Henry? Is he badly hurt? I can't tell yet. Well, old chap, what happened? Did you get knocked down? Yes, sir. I was right along the street on a message from my mother. And you got mixed up with a horse and dray. I know. The driver told me about it when he brought you here. Well, now, let's have a look at this leg of yours. Oh, steady now, steady. Oh, steady. I may have to hurt a bit. Look, you hold my hand. 
Hold it hard, see? I don't mind if you dig your nails into me. There. Does that help a little? Yes, miss. Then you hang on for all your worth. Uh, tell me, what's your name? Johnny, miss. Johnny, is it? I knew someone named John. He lives in the country. Have you ever been out into the country, Johnny? Once, on a bank old day. Remember, me father took me out to Hampstead 8. Did you like it? Oh, yes, it was busking, miss. Married around and cut that shies, and then we seen a real good go in between two fellas down near the bottom bush out town. <laughs> That's what you call a day in the country, is it? That isn't what I mean. I mean where you can see horses and cows and, and walk for miles and miles over the green fields and, and find bird nests and go fishing. Is that what the chap you know does? You mean John? Oh, yes, he does all those things. Oh, crap, you'd like to see a bird nest. John's got a collection of eggs he found when he was a little boy. Oh, he's grown up now, is he? Yes, he's a man now. Oh. Oh, but he still likes to walk along the hedgerows and look for nests. We found a thrush's nest one day when I was staying down at his place. He showed me the little mother bird sitting on her eggs. He must be a pretty nice sort of cow. He is. Oh, oh, oh poor little chap. Have you nearly finished, Henry? I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. My hand must have slipped. I think I've got this wound fairly clean now. There aren't any bones broken, so I'll just have to bandage it and then he can go home. Oh, but he won't be able to walk. Well, as soon as his mother comes, we'll get a cab and send him off in that. Seriously, where is my Johnny? Oh, that sounds like her now. That's the echo of the little boy's mother's here now. Will I let her come in? Yes, I think it'll be all right, thank you, nurse. Will you be a good boy now, Johnny, and tell your mother you're not hurt much? Yes, sir. All right, tell her to come in, nurse. I don't think Nurse Peters quite approves of my bringing you down here, Margaret. Oh, I hope she won't think I'm trying to, trying to usurp her place. Ah, uh, she's a grand person, but just a little bit touchy. Perhaps I'd better go then. Oh, no, no, no. Let her get used to the idea of you. I hope this won't be your last visit down here, Margaret. Would you really like me to come? Well, if you can bear the sights and sounds, some of them aren't very pretty, you know. If I could be of any help, I'd come every day of my life. Margaret, I don't deserve what you give me, you know. When I see you working here amongst these poor, friendless people, giving so much to them, I feel ashamed that I ever doubted you. You have doubted them? Yes, Henry. I have. Oh, forgive me, will you? I'm such a fool to have ever listened. But I won't again. I swear it. The things you heard are probably true. There's more than one side to my nature, you know. Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Uh, he's all right. Look, he's sitting up as though nothing had ever happened. Oh, how can I ever thank you, sir? But Tommy were taking care of him. He's down at Dr. Jekyll's, I says. And I says, thank heavens for that. So if anything can be done for my boy, it's Dr. Jekyll will do it. Oh, uh, that's all right, then. He's just been cut and knocked about a bit, and you'll have to keep him quiet for a few days till the wound heals on his knee. After that, he'll be running about as well as ever. And don't you go letting me catch you hanging on to the backs of drives and lorries anymore, young man, or I'll give you what's what, I will. Oh, poor little oh, chap. Oh, me, Mum. Can't you give a fellow a chance? <laughs> Johnny's probably learnt his lesson. Now, I'll get a cab for you, and you can take him home. I'll call him and have a look at him this evening and see that no other symptoms have developed. Uh, leave your address with Nurse Peters before you go. Oh, how can I ever thank you, sir? Your heaven-sent blessing to us people here. If only there was more of your kind, the world would be a different place. Oh, you don't have to thank me. 
Just keep young Johnny away from horses' hooves in future, and that'll be enough. You can trust me for that. If ever I catch him at it again... Oh, Jekyll, there are a lot of people in the waiting room. Oh, thank you, nurse. Uh, do you think you could get someone to find a cab to take Johnny and his mother home? I'll try, Doctor. Good. Now, off with you, young man. I'll see you later on. Send in Mrs. Higgins next, will you please, nurse? Yes. Goodbye, mister. Goodbye, lady. And if that car of you now has any of them eggs to spare, I'll ask him the next time I see him. Oh, Johnny, haven't I told you not to keep asking oh, for things? Quite all right. Well, that's the only way I can kiss me. Uh, I think you'd better leave this uh, next patient to Nurse Peters, Margaret. It's a leg ulcer and not a very pretty sight. Oh, if I sat away in the corner and just watched, would I be in the way? Oh, you'd never be in the way, sweetheart. I do so want to learn, and this is the only way I can do it. All right, but don't be ashamed to say if things get too much for you. Many a first-year medical student has to rush out of the casualty room, you know. Did you, Henry? <laughs> I did, and more than once. All the human frailties are mine, I'm afraid. Mrs. Higgins, Okay, y'all, I'm sorry to say, but all good times have to come to an end. And so uh, here it is with Pepsi Mama and Arts. We have to close up shop for the day. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. And <clears throat> I want to uh, ask you to uh, send me comments. Let me know uh, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. 
and or what you'd like to you know maybe there's a maybe there's a radio series that I don't know about and uh if you tell me about it maybe I can find it but um just remember all of our subscribe information I gave you at the beginning and um let us hear from you and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday for another edition of um, the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday. I'm thinking next week I may do Whistler and Suspense. I love those shows. But y'all take care. God bless you. And I'll see you next Sunday.